You're listening to a Monorail News production. Now, get ready to step into the magic. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Magic Time. This week we're discussing the brand new Disney movie, Cruella. We're really pumped because Disney sent us a screener so we could watch the movie in advance. We could have this in a written review ready for you on monorailnews.com and in the podcast feed. And this week I'm really excited because I'm joined by the biggest Emma Stone fan I know, John Tellman Thomas. Um, John, how have you been? Hi, um, I've been pretty good. Um, just adjusting to getting back out into the world and back to work and getting to do things a bit more normally, um, like going to the movies and things like that. Um, I've been pretty good. I, I'm, I'm good. Well, you know, that's really, really interesting because this is the first movie that since I've started doing this that they give us a physical screening option. Which none mm-hmm. of us could go to, but they did. They had two um, physical screenings in both New York and California, uh-huh. um, and we both watched it at our homes. So yeah. um, I feel like I didn't get the full movie experience. But this movie, to me, is just awesome, and I don't want to give away my thoughts. Let's. So I'm gonna let you go first and kind of give me your okay. big picture thoughts on the movie. Well, I'll say. First, I plan on going to see it in a theater this weekend when it comes out. I definitely think it's a great film to see in the theaters because the style and aesthetic is so fine-tuned and such a presence in the movie that you do need to see it on the big screen as well. Because even I have like a, a projector in my living room and a sound bar and this whole kind of little setup. So it's like a mini theater. And the whole time I was like, wow, this would be this because there's some really cool kind of visual effects parts, uh, especially with the costumes and stuff. I was like, yeah, definitely got to go see this in theaters. But um, I really enjoyed it. And when I think about what I liked about it, the style seems to be sort of the first thing I think of. I just thought they did a really great job kind of going full throttle with the choices they were making as far as the music and the costumes and the cinematography and the soundtrack and everything like they really leaned into the the choices they were making as far as the style of all those things and they weren't timid with it so i think that played in their favor and it it just has a really strong sense of style and character and that it has a bit of an edge to it that we don't always see in disney films so i thought that it was fresh in that way and exciting Overall, that's like my biggest praises of it are for, for those reasons. You know, because I know nothing about fashion. I don't pretend to know anything about fashion. <laughs> yeah. But I will say that the costumes were phenomenal. They were big showpieces, right? Like the yeah. garbage truck scene was pretty yeah. cool. And then the one where she had the dress and she like poofed it around the car that the yeah. Baroness was in. and. Yeah. I had the opportunity to go to a press conference, and they talked about how all, or Emma talked about how all of those costumes were real. Like, there was no CGI. So, that just blew my mind and made, you know, the costuming and the set direction and all of that 
even better to me. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, because they had big shoes to fill sort of because of the, I mean, even the original, but also the, the first live action film with Glenn Close and how that one has is so kind of well known for the costumes as well. They had definitely had to, you know, step up and, I think they just did a really good job as far as not trying to just replicate what we kind of saw in the 1996 one. I believe it was 1996, the one with Glenn Close, the live action with Glenn Close, because the costumes were such a staple of that film and are kind of really infamous in a way almost now. But they lived up to the that bar that was set as far as the costuming and how critical that is to like Cruella and that story. But they did it in their own way. And like I said, the kind of earlier with the specific choices they made for this one and and the style they chose and kind of going there fully helped them, I think, live up to it, but also not just like replicating what we've already seen. Right. And just because of a spoiler filled review, I just want to go ahead and say that to me, this is the most innovative Disney live action remake we've seen thus far. Yeah, I would agree. I think they it was a, a smart choice, or this was just a perfect opportunity because, you know, Cruella and, you know, 101 Dalmatians, it's not as familiar of like a, when it comes to like the Disney canon, like it doesn't come up as often, you know, like as much as say like Lion King or Little Mermaid or Cinderella, you know, it's, it's you right. don't hear it or see it as much or as often. So it was... I think just a great choice for them to choose something like Cruella to give a spotlight to and to be like, hmm, let's see what we can do here because there's just more room for innovation. And I remember even watching, like when I watched it and like towards the, you know, once it was over and I was like, okay, so like she's not killing the Dalmatians, she's not killing puppies (laughs) or making coats out of Dalmatians necessarily, you know, so it's an origin story, but it's not necessarily a prequel. You know, it's like, this is not necessarily explicitly supposed to be the Cruella you see later in the 101 Dalmatian film. Right, because Um, in the press conference, they said that they were focused on creating a Cruella that could believably become the Cruella we know from 101 Dalmatians in about 20 years. Yeah. That's the thing, too, is you you still have a long span of time until – that Cruella that we've already seen. So, of course, you know, so many things could happen between now and then. Right. And, you know, the Estella Cruella transformation almost Mm -hmm. reminded me of something with, like, split personality disorder. Yeah. Like, that was fascinating on a lot of levels for me because you kind of got to see the resistance that Mm -hmm. her two compatriots had. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because... To me, when I watched the original 101 Dimensions, I'm like, why are these two guys just like going along with this crazy yeah. lady? Right? Like, and it feels like some nice background that to me otherwise seemed a little unfulfilled and un, almost unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, you'd have to wonder, like, why, you know, well, what is it about these two guys that makes them so okay with? following along with all this stuff and then getting to see that it really was this sort of familial bond that they had from early on and especially before she really became Cruella. And even saying that, it's like, I think what's another interesting layer to this version is how like she kind of starts off as Cruella. She's kind of born Cruella, but then she's kind of pushed in into being 
Estella by her, who she thinks is her mother. So it's almost like Estella and Cruella are like the two, her two different, her birth, her birth mother and then her, you know, assumed mom. You know, she was born sort of this Cruella and it makes sense once you see the whole thing. And, I, and this is a spoiler, but, you know, seeing that the Baroness is her mother. That moment she, shocked me. That yeah, I, was I did not that. see that coming. I did not either. I knew, like, I could tell, you know, towards the middle and stuff that, like, I mean, even at first, finding out that the Baroness was the one who killed the mom, I could see, like, as it, in the middle, towards the beginning, like, something was going to, there was going to be something there, you know, about how they're connected. But I figured after we found out, you know, it was the Baroness who killed her mother and all that, I thought that was kind of like the big the big twist. I wasn't really expecting another sort of like layer to that. And let me just um, say that the moment we found out the Baroness killed her mother, that is the moment for me watching this movie that it went from being a chore and a movie that I had to watch because Disney PR sent it to me and I'm like obligated to watch it uh-huh. to a movie that I was enthralled by. Yeah. And to me, it's a shame that that came 45 minutes into the movie. Yeah. But also, I think it wouldn't have fit anywhere else. You know, we didn't have because, enough yeah, to, you, to dig into until we got to that point. And it was a long movie. Yeah. Well, I was going to say one of the things that I – one of the first things I think of when I think about what I like about it is also the runtime. I was glad that it was kind of longer because – I think especially when it's kind of supposed to be like an origin story, you know, it's like, well, don't, you know, don't skim over things, you know, like, go ahead, give me, I want to spend time seeing this person become who they are, the person that I know them to be. And also, yeah, I think you typically would assume like a Disney film is going to have a, sh- or a shorter runtime because maybe it's just being geared towards sort of audience and whatnot, as opposed to like some drama that might be like up for best picture or something. Sure, it's two and a half hours. You would expect that. Right. But um, I was pleased to see that it was a little bit longer because then that to me is saying, okay, they really – they had a lot to tell here. They had a lot to show. And that makes – that made me kind of more excited. And, you know, this movie is dark. Like really, yeah. really dark for a Disney movie. Yeah. And, you know, you see all the time in Disney movies, oh, the Wicked Witch killed my mother or, or, or whatever it is. But – in this movie, you literally had the Baroness tie Estella slash Cruella and her compatriots up and set yeah. the building they were in on fire. Yeah. And the fact also that she had no problem with having her newborn child taken off to be killed. <laughs> and to me, that was kind of seemed less cruel than making people burn alive. Like, yeah. like at that point, like I'm like, yeah, of course she would like be kill the baby, you know that 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 makes yeah. sense because she's willing to burn people alive, and I don't know what it is about that that hit me so viscerally. Maybe it was the cinematography, and also like for you know, it's not like these are people that like did some terrible awful thing to her. It was it was just because she didn't want competition you know it's like you know just the the simple fact of like oh there's someone else who might get attention kill them like it was just such a that is like just the epitome of like heartlessness and cutthroat 
and then afterwards, you know, I think back on it, I'm like, really, the Baroness is like more of the of what we know Corella Deville to be. You know, right? She's no, she's really the more maniacal, evil one here, and the Corella we see is really more of an anti-hero. Right, and that's what got me. I'm like, I just mm-hmm. can't see her going. And I, a horseback to Disney, but I, I, I just maybe you can help me with this. I just did not see her going from okay, I, I got the justice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to let's skin dogs 20 years yeah. later. You know, I, I mean, uh, that, that seems like that seems like there used to be another movie before we get to that yeah. point. Well, and like, maybe that's on purpose. Like, you know, like, again, there is a lot of time between where this ends and, you know, the Cruella we've seen. So I'm not really feeling that either in the sense that the, the Cruella we end with in this movie, I I don't see her turning to a place where she's, I mean, at first I, I, I got it. And I thought it was a really cool way of giving her that motivation, like why she was so specifically, you know, interested in Dalmatians. Like earlier on, when you see that it was, you know, Dalmatians that killed her mom. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be why she, you know, likes, you know, has this fascination with Dalmatians and wearing them as coats and things. But then you get to the end and like she doesn't go there, you know, she keeps the Dalmatians and doesn't seem to have this sort of, you know, she, and just in general, she doesn't really seem to be, she doesn't kill anyone. She doesn't kill anything, any animal. I don't think in the whole movie. No, in fact, there's even a bit there where she's wearing what looks to be Dalmatian fur and they make a right. point to tell you it's synthetic. Right. So Either way, I'm kind of interested, you know, whether it ends up being that she doesn't go down that path ever. You know, she just she has this more virtuous side to her or if she, you know, if they want to tell more of, of this Corella story. If she does end up there, I'd be super interested to see how she goes from here to there. Right. Um, I mean, and I just say that at the very end, and we're jumping around a lot, but at the very end, when she gives Anita and the person who goes on to become Anita's husband, what's his name? Uh-huh. Roger. Yeah, 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 Roger. Gives them the puppies. That was like a delicious moment for me because yeah. you never got to see where they got the dogs from. And yeah. then the idea that like she would be so, like, these are my dogs in the, in the original movie because she literally gave them two Anita and Roger. Right. So she feels like she kind of of has entitlement to them. Entitlement. Right. Yeah. And I I don't know what makes her go from gifting dogs to people to going, (laughs) let's skin them. You know? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, that, that's, that may be a little much, but it was such a nice connection to the original movie. And there were a lot of nods. To yeah. the classic movie, which to me was like, you know, winking and nodding at the audience and being yeah. like, we're doing our own thing, but we're also paying homage to the original. Right. One of those parts that stuck out to me the most was, I think it was right after Corella has her like little, she steals the Baroness Thunder and has her little fashion show at the, the fountain and then the, they get shut down. And I think, I think that's when like she gets into that car that old timey car and she's like driving away and, and it's kind of like harkens back to all those scenes of her in the original animated film, like driving like a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> maniacally like, just in the car, like driving crazy. And just, she looks all disheveled and crazy. Like, 
I loved that moment because it just felt so that was like quintessential Cruella. Yeah, no, that that definitely felt totally on brand to me. And you know, I was going to make a joke about how SpongeBob's a bad driver, just like the evil SpongeBob. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> but I don't think that comparison really, you know, works perfectly. You know, An evil SpongeBob. Yeah, right. It, she's yellow and she's porous and she's absorbent and she wants to. Maybe maybe she want to. Um, to, I don't know. Skin SpongeBob or something. Maybe I don't. Sandy. See, I, I don't know. She see animals. She's venturing to the sea world next. Yes, that's that's yes. Um. Well, this was so different than other Disney animated remake films. Mm-hmm. Like it was more akin to Maleficent. Than it was to live action Lion King or Beauty and the Beast or Cinderella. Right. Well, and another interesting thing I've noticed too, like I, I thought of Maleficent and I thought how about how both Maleficent and Cruella are, are villains and they're kind of, you know, in their original animated films, they're just bad. They're just evil. They don't really succeed. But Disney with the live action remakes have made both of them into sort of anti heroes. And it's like, I'm not surprised because I can't imagine them thinking like anyone, you know, adults who know the films well or kids who are just seeing them are going to really be interested in just watching a movie about a really terrible person or a really evil person. Right. So it's like, yeah, we have let's find some way to make the audience feel like they can root for them. And I, I mean, I know some people who have kind of felt like iffy about that but i find it really interesting and as someone who already just loves them as villains especially maleficent she's my my favorite disney villain i'm even more so down for like yeah let's give her something that makes her even more you know able to root for i'm not opposed to that so i really interested in and how they're taking some of these traditionally just villainous people and making them a little bit more nuanced right and your nuance is good Personally, I was not a fan of Maleficent. I yeah. am kind of a purist for a Sleeping Beauty. It's on my. I was making a tier list of my Disney animated movies yesterday, and yeah. Sleeping Beauty was in my S tier. So to me, kind of touching that is like a big yeah. Don't do it. I I agree. Um, as a film, as films, the Maleficent films were strange to me. I'm not opposed to the idea of Maleficent being an anti-hero or how you know what they wanted to do with that character. I was okay with that, but yeah, as, as a whole, the films were a little... Just the tone seems so kind of not in the realm of, like, Maleficent and Sleeping Beauty. But I right. think I think Cruella did such a great job of, like, okay, well, we're taking her and kind of giving her this nuance, but the tone of the film, like again, like, the style and everything, also, it just seems so Cruella in its own way. Yeah, I mean, I think that this was definitely... Definitely more true to the original character in a way that Maleficent's films weren't. Yeah, and I, I think, I think because they mentioned at the press conference that this had been a a concept going back many, many years at Disney. I imagine that these two move that those two movies, the, the Cruella and Maleficent, were conceived mm-hmm. of together. Yeah, you know, as maybe as a let's contextualize our villains. Let's do some yeah. movies about that. And to yeah. me, if that is the case, Cruella is, to me, up above Maleficent substantially. Yeah, I would agree. And I think it's that idea, like, you know, let's take a villain and, and 
contextualize it and, and, and all that is definitely risky and can be hit or miss. And I think this is a perfect example of like, okay, maybe Maleficent was a bit of a miss, but Corella is like the perfect example of a hit. You know, it's like everything gelled together the way it, it seems like it should and it works. Right. And, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, my favorite thing about this movie is a very minor thing. It's how they have the newspaper, like the headlines, but they'd be like in the world. They'd be transparent. That was such a cool visual. Yeah. It's really easy to sell me on visuals, by the way, in case you have been listening to this podcast for a couple of years. And you're like, he's really easily impressed by like simple VFX. I am. Hey, I mean, that's the medium, you know, like, and again, I mean, like I was saying at the beginning, like in general, this movie is definitely see it in theaters because there's so much like eye candy from the costumes to like even little small visual effects like that to the sort of the cinematography. It just all matches and, and goes together so well. So that being one of your favorite things, I think it speaks to like one of the biggest successes of the film. And that's exactly what this movie is to me. A tremendous success, and I can't wait for all of you to see it. It's available on Disney Plus with premiere access and in theaters on the 28th of May, which is in the past, if you're listening to this now. John, where can they find you? You can find me on pretty much all social media as um, at JTHanna underscore. You can find me um, on Twitter and Instagram um, at both of those handles and on Facebook as well, uh, JT Hanna. And on YouTube at JT Hanna as well. You're a buddy musician and we look forward to new releases from you. Um, you can get me, I'm at Gray Hauser on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can follow my new site, Disability at Disney, at Disability at Disney on Instagram and Facebook and Disability at Diz on Twitter. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening.